listening to the music of the Mini. The Mini are an uncommon, intentionally diverse collective making music for people to sing together about peace and justice in a world where we all belong. This week, I got a chance to sit down with them in my own kitchen, y'all. We had a whole conversation around religion, faith, gender, sexual orientation. Oh, and of course, music. Right here on Profane Faith. Tear down the walls. Tear down the walls between us. Jesus uttered these words 2,000 years ago. How are they going to beat ISIS? I don't think it's going to happen. But, but he has these bizarre ideas about what Christianity stands for and what it means. Atomic bombs and the second coming of Jesus Christ. And when he does, you will no longer be a homosexual, but you will be a heterosexual. And that's what it means to be white. To say that you're standing on your own ground and standing on somebody else's and then mystify the whole process. This is Profane Faith a podcast that engages faith on the margins, faith that has been labeled profane, nonconformist, and or out there. We'll be exploring the intersections of the sacred, secular, and profane to find God. We won't be trying to answer difficult questions. Rather, we'll be engaging them and asking better ones regarding faith, race, gender, and religion. I'm your host, Daniel White Hodge. Hey, 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 welcome back, welcome back, y'all, welcome back to the place to be, oh my goodness, well, here we are, here we are, hard to believe another week, we're moving along, Uh, thank you for all the comments and the shout outs, I have to just say that right off the bat before we get uh, to the mini here, Um, I've gotten a lot of uh, just... uh, uh, emails uh, over the last uh, couple of days, and I've gotten uh, just uh, I'm I'm overwhelmed. I guess is what I'm trying to say in a good way um, from folks who just say, "Man, you know, this stuff has been church for me. This has been something I've been putting on, um, you know, the radio or not the radio, but in, you know, when I'm traveling." And so uh, I've appreciated that. Thank you so much. Thank you for. Um, being being a listener, being a faithful listener, I've had some a real steady audience of folks who've been here since episode zero zero. It, we, it, you know, I've had some people who have have, have just been connected to Profane Faith, and um, I, I thank you, I thank you a lot. And so I just want to keep kind of sending those shout outs. There's a lot of uh, you know crap going on right now, and dawned on me this last week that man, in a year we're going to be locked up in a, another election. Um, and all the bitter and nasty and nefarious things that go along with that will be coming up. Uh, and so in the midst of all that uh, and in the midst of all the craziness and the white supremacy and all that nasty, crazy stuff, Kanye, <laughs> um, you know, I do thank you. And I thank the listenership and just the the community of, of folks who've been involved. So continue to send stuff. Can you have some ideas? I got some uh, folks who just uh, send out some ideas, too, about different shows. Let's keep those coming. I appreciate that. Um, I think that, uh, you know, we can always work with that and, uh, you know, deal with that and, and engage with that. So, yes, let's let's keep that coming. Let's keep that coming. Um, I had a chance to, uh, you know, this last week I talked a little bit about uh, and again, I don't want to dwell on this too much just because we got I want to get to this conversation with the many, uh, particularly with their music and what they've got going on. Um, but, uh, you know, this last week. 
you know, of course, it was a lot of buzz and talk around the whole Kanye uh, album and whatnot. And, you know, I tweeted a couple things and mainly just to say <sighs> I've been writing about uh, hip hop and religion and hip hop and theology for a long ass time. And what gets me is not even the white folks, because I, I get that white evangelicals, you know, particularly conservative ones, you know, who still see the world in a binary form. I get that they don't get it. I get that they don't understand what the hell is going on when it comes to this. And they they're being took by by somebody like Kanye. But what gets me is a lot of the POC folks who have, you know, continually told me, oh, man, you doing secular work. Or, oh, man, you know, these these hyper religious, almost like I like to define as a hotep theology, you know, particularly around, um, you know, binary issues of God and secular and God, the spirit and this and this and that all wrapped up. So, um, you know, for me, it, yeah, I think, um, this, 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 there, that's what gets me. Cause I'm just like, look, I've been talking about this for a long time with just Tupac, Tupac alone. I mean, I got, in fact, I got a book coming out here, hopefully within the month, uh, baptized in dirty water, uh, looking at Tupac again, right? Um, I've written on Kanye, whole bunch of stuff on Kanye. So, um, I don't, uh, yeah, I don't necessarily get, like I said, I, I don't, I don't get my undies in a bunch you know, when people are saying like, oh, you know, he's saved and he can bring the gospel and all this. Like, like, look, there have been plenty of hip hop artists just in the last 10 years who've done that. Now, Kanye has, has been part of that. I'll give it to you. Kanye has been um, involved in in conversations about God and whatnot. I'll, I'll give you that. Um, but it, <laughs> the fact that so many folks now are just on the bandwagon and the whole thing with with uh, MAGA, I, yeah, no, I can't. No, sorry. <laughs> I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. Um, and so we, you know, to sit down with a, a band, and this is, again, this is not to knock the genius and the the validity of who Kanye is um, and, and and just the, the genius that he puts into his music. So let me let me just be clear on that because I, I do believe that Kanye is a musical genius. I do believe that he's got some amazing the way he puts stuff together. Although I still haven't heard the album yet and I don't know. I'll probably listen to it this week. Maybe. I don't know, <laughs> but I already know what is going to be on it. Right. It's, it's probably going to be some good music. Um, there's probably going to be some stuff about Jesus this and Jesus that I'm just not sold on, on any, especially when you're talking about somebody who is a marketing wizard as well. He is a marketing and branding and story and digital storytelling. He married the queen of digital marketing and branding and storytelling. Um, so it stands to reason why he would also embody that. I think he would be the only one who would really give Trump a run for his money. Okay. Um, so yeah, I, I like the article that Andre Henry, uh, put out here, uh, in religion news. He, um, I can put the links in the, in the show note and he says, why Trump, not Jesus is at the heart of white uh, Christian love for Kanye. Uh, and one of the quotes he talks about, you know, just this comparison. This is exactly what I've been saying. This is he, and he goes right in. If you haven't heard Andre Henry, first two episodes of season four, go check it out. Um, Snoop Dogg released the 32 track Bible of love to get back to his gospel roots and express his spirituality. Long song gospel greats like Rance Allen and Kim Burrell. But no prophecies were published about Snoop's place among God's wrecking balls, right? Kendrick Lamar was baptized in 2013 and has been including his spiritual journey in his work for years. 
Again, no prophecy. Chance the Rapper, come on, has been just as public about his spiritual rebirth as Kanye, heavily sampling gospel records on his coloring book album in 2016, singing Chris Tomlin's How Great Is Our God at the 2017 Grammys, and talking some of time and taking some time off to study the Bible. Still, no prophecies. See, and this is what he says. He says, the difference between these artists and Kanye is that none of them aspire to join the MAGA crowd. Perhaps that's why their public expression of faith don't seem to matter. The conversion those uh, the conversion those Trump followers are looking for is the conversion white people have sought for people of color since colonizers touched the soil of Turtle Island. That all people would aspire to whiteness, would assimilate into white culture, would collaborate in the securing of white interests and thus be saved. Think on that for a minute, y'all. So much like me, and Andre is much like myself. So, so yes, call me skeptical. I regard white evangelicals' sudden celebration of Kanye, much as those early disciples huddled together in Jerusalem viewed Saul's conversion with distrust. Um, I I have to say that I I see it the same way, and I just I want to put that out there because you know I know folks are like, what are you gonna say? What are you gonna say? What are you gonna say? I don't have much to say. I said what I had to say on Twitter. And mainly about, you know, I've talked about constructs of religion and hip hop for a long time. And so I don't know. I don't need to rehash those things. Right. They're 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 published. They're out there. They're out there for the world to see. Spent years in, in research and damn near, you know, have gone bankrupt with student loans, you know, researching that shit. So I'm just like, really? You haven't read it already. God damn. You know, I don't know what else to say. So uh, I'll put that link in the, in the show notes from from uh, Andre Hendricks. That that article is, is brilliant. So you got yeah, just check that out. So this week, oh, let's get to this uh, because look, we're already you know eight minutes in. Y'all got me talking about Kanye for eight minutes. God damn it! <laughs> let me get to let me get to um, the the common um, drawing on indie and pop and gospel influences. The mini makes music to give voice to faith and doubt questions and fears, lament and longings, music that speaks to a nonviolent God, a Jesus who is with us and for us and to a spirit that can't be easily defined or controlled. I love this about them. Okay. It's music for a movement of resistance to hatred and division for reconciliation and restoration and music that always reminds us we are on this earth to love. I had a chance to sit down with the many, um, Darren Calhoun, Leslie Michelle, Hannah Rand, um, along with Lenora Rand and Gary Rand. We were all in my uh, kitchen this last week uh, talking about their new album, um, Love is Greater Than Fear. Um, and in it, you know, they have some lament and they have some uh, some challenges, right, that we're, that we're all, I think, dealing with right now, for t- particularly for those of us who want to remain connected to some kind of theologies, connected to some kind of Christianity, uh, but still not want to go back to the binary, not go back to the mess. And music is important. Every human being on the face of this planet loves music, <laughs> right? It might not be your type of music, but everybody loves music. And music is a universal language. However, its meaning is not. And part of what the mini the mini does is begin to break down what some of that meaning is uh, through worship, through liturgy, um, 
through doubt, through lament, through praise. Um, and people are connected. I have seen them live. The music you heard at the beginning, uh, that was them as well. Uh, I'm going to be playing some music throughout. So check them out. Um, I'm getting, I'll put all these, this material in the show notes, whiteoutpodcast.com. But I highly recommend you go check out the mini uh, and what they have to do and, 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 and support them in their music. This is an independent group, okay? And nowadays you can be independent and, you know, do music and, and you know, you don't have to worry about a big record label. I mean, the stuff is just out there. Trust me, as a musician myself and as somebody that is engaged with music on a, on a daily, um, it's not as hard as it was even, even a decade ago, you know, let alone 25, you know, 30 years ago when you still had to kind of go to a, a label uh, to, to, you know, to get your sound sounding right. But nowadays you can do that stuff on an iPad. So, um, but they're not doing this on an iPad. And we talked a little bit about that too, just the production of it um, and, and who, you know, and what they, and how they come together. So uh, I love what they do. I love who they are and uh, check out this conversation uh, with them and uh, check out their music. All right, y'all keep, uh, keep sending those emails in, keep enjoying profane faith. And this conversation right here, whoo, it'll blow your mind. Check it out. Oh, you misfits and prophets, and you sinners and saints. Oh, you're broken and needy, weird and weary and faint. All who seek to simply open their eyes. All who need to find a safe place to cry. Come as you there we go see there we go you don't speak that soft regularly i don't well we're recording this is okay. this is beautiful okay two minutes in i love it oh no this is all we do really oh my goodness well um y'all welcome to the white hodge manor uh this is i have a special treat with us today in well we're not even in the lab this is this is the mini this is this is what i would consider the contemporary uh, I don't even know if you want to put progressive, uh, forward-thinking, yeah. multi—I don't know what the multi whatever in front of multiracial cultural <laughs> band that I listen to and that I really revere as high, and I am just privileged and blessed to have y'all here on Profane Faith. Thank you. So for those listening, you already know we've we've had an episode with the mini, so we don't have to get into, you know, what have you been doing from birth to now, but I'd be interested to just hear a little bit about what this album is about, what's going on, and, and why why now? All right. <laughs> well, I mean, I, wait, I'll listen to I can, I always jump in and regret it later but all right i'll jump in all right go for it <laughs> um i mean i think that uh, one of the things we've been talking about and thinking about a lot is this idea that you know there's not a lot of um spaces in our world today that are actually speaking the truth and that it's actually true in a lot of our churches too and i think one of the things that we've been trying to do in our music is tell the truth and to tell the truth both and speak honestly about our own lives but also speak honestly about what's going on in the world and ask all the hard questions and 
lament all the crap and I think really this album grew out of that you know again trying to um, just tell the truth and say we don't have to lie in church with our music we don't have to lie in the world uh, and let's let's get it out there and just say the things that need to be said hmm. and, and maybe sing them too yes yes no absolutely absolutely Others, as we're thinking about, so that because the album title is Love Fear, Love Greater Than Fear. Gra- greater than, that's right. I see the little thing. I wasn't good, real good at math when I was in, in, in school, so yeah, we had a lot of conversation about whether or not to use that little the little symbol, but mm-hmm. we like the symbols. So, I like it too. No, so I like it too. Run with it, that's good. I think like it always reminds me. I think it was a long time ago that my mom sent me a picture of uh, something somebody had written that on a bathroom stall. Um, it was a life-transforming moment for me. Wow. Yeah, you said love greater than fear with the greater symbol. And she was like, I think we should write a song for this. And that was like five, six years ago probably. Could be longer. And um, so I always think back to that when we th- talk about the name of the title too. It's like, you know, it's sort of, sort of a universal truth that not we can't. So it's hard to put into action in, you know, in your life. But it's something that we, like, I think we all sort of believe in or try to believe in. Okay. All right. All right. What, uh, well, let me ask this. What does that look like then in real time with all the stuff that's going on? Y'all are on the road. I see y'all a lot on social media. Y'all are all over the place. Um, so how do, what does that look like in real time in this era? Um, where it seems like, you know, fear is greater than love in many regards, right? Fear of immigrants, fear of anybody who's different, fear of liberals, you know, fear of the end of the world, right? There's, you know, a lot of speak of that. The world is ending. Um, I don't know. What do y'all think? One of the things that I have um, embraced and appreciate about our band is that we create space for people to address, engage, and look at their fears. Hmm. Um, uh, we found that so often people have shame about the things that they're afraid of. Um, and they don't know how to express the shame, express the fears openly, uh, and understand that the process of addressing fear is first to name it. Hmm. So with our songs and the liturgies and the spaces that we create, we, um, Lenora and Gary, we all work hard to really set an intentional, intentional space that is safe for people to acknowledge that their fears are real, that they are valid, and that it's necessary to move forward in addressing them and engaging hmm. them. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I like that. I think it's very important to, we're not saying that love is greater than fear because fear is insignificant. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what Leslie is saying. It's like, uh, Lenora has often said, justice begins with tears. Is that how you say that, Lenora? And uh, I think that there's a great deal of truth in that. And, uh, and it, it comes out, I think, in this album. There's, there's wonderful high moments in this uh, new album we're doing. And there are times of this kind of uh, challenging lament and uh, honest, honest truth. Yeah, I, I guess I think the, the culture of fear that we're living in right now is pretty overwhelming. Like, I think mm-hmm. we accept it almost. You know, it's kind of yeah. like, like I, 
I mean, I feel like we're hearing it from our politicians and we're hearing it all the time in the news. And, you know, actually, I think a lot of churches are working out of this place of fear, which is kind of amazing, really, you know, like, it's like, what? Like, why are we so afraid of everything? Why are we afraid of each other? Why are we afraid to tell the truth? Why are we afraid? Um, And there doesn't seem to be much conversation about how can we live a different kind of normal? How can we live a different kind of reality? Fear has become the norm. And so I think one of the things that we really want to do is come into spaces and say, you know, this is the reality we're living in right now, but there is a possibility. We could have a conversation. We could have hope. We can try to imagine together another way to live that isn't based on fear, that really is based on love. Um, A lot of the songs that we started writing, I mean, we were joking about it when we were writing them. I write the lyrics, and uh, Hannah and Gary write most of the tunes, and then the group kind of processes them all together. And um, But one of the things that people were saying about all these songs that we were putting together was, you talk about, you know, brokenness and fear a lot, but you talk about love a lot, too, you know? Mm. And I, I think we're always kind of living in that tension between those two things, and I think you'll feel that from the album, that it's always kind of holding those two things in tension. Okay, okay, all right. Um, What are some of the inspirations for the music? What? Uh, how would you describe it? Somebody hasn't, obviously, you know, we'll be listening to some of this here in the podcast, but I'd be curious, like, for somebody who hasn't listened to the mini, what, how would you describe the, you know, the genre? Are we, you know... <laughs> so, so the genre thing is is kind of funny. Um, I I often say that how you describe our music depends on what you listen to. Okay. And so um, when it comes to if you if you like contemporary Christian or you know sounds that that are uh, kind of popular in in the larger Christian sphere, then you're like, oh, this is like a, a praise band. But if you like gospel and, and if you like uh, songs that, you know, really dig into our experience and stuff, you might be like, oh, yeah, that's that's a that's a nice gospel tune. And then if you don't like any of those, you might say, <laughs> oh, this is good. It's, it's like church music, but it's not church music. Um, and so the the thing about our, our music is that it, it does cross different boundaries and different genres. Um, it's informed by different things. Uh, Gary's done a lot to, to be intentional about learning different cultures and different influences and even different languages. Um, and that, that kind of informs the process we do, um, as well as, as, as well as the way Hannah like puts together a lot of the tunes. Um, it pulls from different styles and is, and is kind of inspired by different stuff. And so it's, it's funny because it, it means that we don't neatly fit into anybody's category. People, hmm. people who like us put us into whatever their favorite category is, or uh, people who are like new to us just kind of, again, just hear us and figure out, okay, well, that sounds kind of like this to me. But that's the way we learn. You know, we connect it to something mm-hmm. we know. So yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, I, I think uh, part of the music on the new album and, and our music in general, you know, we call ourselves the many because we have many influences. Yeah. And many of those influences are actually flesh and blood people. Yeah. 
<laughs> people who play on our albums, people that we're in contact with, who have mentored us, people who have shared their music with us. We have all those kinds of influences. Uh, and it's always a, so fun putting together the album because Chicago has so many great players. I also think that Chicago is part of our sound. Okay. You know, I think that uh, when I think about so much of this music in our sphere comes from Nashville and L.A., and, uh, you know, our music doesn't really sound like it came from Nashville or L.A., right. hmm. in my f mind. And I think it just it, it's because we have such great players in Chicago, and they're all steeped in kind of gospel and R&B and blues. And, you know, there's these folks who uh, contribute to what we're doing, and, uh, and we feed off of that as well. Yeah, yeah. So it's fun. It's very fun to put all this together. And uh, we discover some things where we bring music to people and we say, let's figure out what we can do with this. And, uh, you know, we're very excited about what comes out of it. Hmm. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. So, I mean, and I'm curious, just again, from a, uh, a creation perspective, how much electronics, acoustic, analog, all that good stuff. What do y'all, how do y'all break that down? I mean, you know, this day and age of, computers somebody can do stuff on an ipad in their room right now and put together a whole but i'd be curious how does that break down for y'all yeah i mean uh this time around we used pretty much all live instruments we had nice um a few times we we have um sort of what you might call synth type stuff but, okay uh, we always are careful with that because it sometimes sounds a little 80s to me at least uh, <laughs> but, all right um, but yeah we were really blessed to have like so many cool people that we that we wanted to play with live and um so basically that we took you know we for each pretty, pretty much each one of the songs we played it maybe three or four times and took the best one of those and then um that was pretty much the one we sang for um there was a few times when we added some other stuff um later on but uh yeah, and we were also, um, one of the cool things about this project was we had a little bit of a choir um, mm -hmm. that came in on one night, and it was um, some really cool people from around Chicago came and sang, and um, that really added a depth to the music that we hadn't had um, before, so, and it really helped, you know, it, it really makes us the many when we have all these different people. Um, joining us because everybody has a new take on a song and I might have like written the melody of a song but somebody's singing it in a different way or playing it in a different way that brings a whole new level of it so it's really cool for me to hear hmm I like that I like that I like that breakdown now let me ask this just one more uh, aesthetic or production tape digital y'all keep it all y'all recording y'all tracking the 24 you know track we're just we're stutter. making it on cassettes <laughs> yes that's what we're doing Dan. we go direct to cassette there we go that's right direct four track task cam mm -hmm. yeah all right porta studio a porta studio that's porta right man studio. that's wow. the that's the stuff man yeah, yeah. We okay. Had, I, I wanted to mention, you know, we had uh, we have some great friends at Trinity United UCC down on yes. the south side. Yes. And, uh, we had some folks from their youth choir who were part of that. That's choir. what's up. That's and what's they up. They came and they were great. And um, we had, so, you know, one of the keyboard players, um, uh, Tim Gant, is a great R and B artist in town. He's been a, he's won Grammys. He's been with Aretha Franklin and all these great people. And uh, you know, you bring in people like that, they bring you this kind of. Uh, sound and experience that just makes, makes yeah. things wonderful. Yeah. 
No, I hear you on a, on a particular sound, absolutely. And that's, I think that's, that's something that, that uh, who was it? I think it was Quincy Jones or somebody was talking about, like, you know, this generation. And again, I don't mean to knock this generation because there's a lot of stuff you can do now for cheap that 20 years ago would take, you know, a freaking, you know, army of money. Um, but, it, you know, it was like, you know, there's something about working with live musicians and, and, and figuring out a rhythm figuring out uh you know uh, a part and and you know how does that come together um so i no, i appreciate that and i think that's one of the things that stick out about this group is that there is a lot of that live production and i love live production in music even though i would consider myself an electronic musician i would still con- yeah i would say i love the live production because that there's something about that there's something about that um you know, just the one last thing is that yeah, our, our music, we write music for people to sing. We write music for churches and communities of faith. So that's what I was wondering, yeah. To sing. And so part of the live thing that we're doing is because we want people to have a sense of what it's like when they sing that in their churches or when okay. they sing that in their, even in their small groups, you know. It's just like live musicians can play this music and we can sing it and it's, you know, it gives you a sense of that as opposed to being like, well, you know, how do you sing along with electronic thing? I mean, and we certainly you can and we've been experimenting with some of that. But sure. I think the live thing comes from like our roots. This is where doing music live is kind of what we want the experience to be. Right, know? right, 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 right. Um. All right. Well, let's. I mean, let's, let's go through some of these song titles. What was what was going on behind it? Uh. So, you know, number two is waiting. What's up with waiting? What's going on with that? Uh, I could jump in and talk about that one a little bit. Um, ad, Advent is that time. Let's, let's sort of like the few weeks, four weeks before Christmas, and uh, so there's sometimes in some churches, some do, some don't, but they sort of have this time period called Advent when they try to like not necessarily go to all the happy lovely Christmas uh, stuff and uh, the Jingle Bells kind of level of beauty and wonder uh, and kind of spend that time waiting actually it's kind of meant to be this time of waiting and I think one of the things that's always intrigued me about that idea is that it's like waiting for Advent is like living with the way things are, the okay. way they really are, and sort of also hoping for the way things could be or meant to be, all that kind of good stuff. And I, I just think that that's where, you know, I feel like we are in this feeling of waiting. And like there's scriptures that talk about like how the earth is moaning and groaning. And I, th- I think about we look around our world and we feel like, there's a lot of moaning and groaning going on from the earth, for sure, um, and just from our streets and our cities and in our lives. And so we really tried to capture some of that in this song, that sense of almost it's not here. We need to wait for this. We want to hope for this. But, man, it's rough right now. And, yeah. wait, and waiting sucks, you know. <laughs> waiting yeah. is not one of my favorite things. And it's really hard to see how things are going to get better. And... So that doesn't sound like a very happy song, but in many ways, I think this song kind of takes you into that, like many of our songs do, it sort of takes you into that, you know, the world is crying out, there's no justice in sight, you know, there's broken hearts everywhere and children and hurting and, you know, all this stuff is going on, but we're waiting for that Gloria in Excelsis Deo and there's something about the chorus that really tries to bring us to that place of it's going to come it's going to get here and we don't know when and we don't know exactly how but it's going to come and i think one of the things that the twists that the song takes and i think it's kind of one of those twists that i came to as the lyricist writing the song was 
the whole song is talking about how we're waiting for you, God. And there's a twist where you realize, well, maybe God's also waiting for us. You hmm. know? And okay. like the way things do get better, the way things do change is when we step up, when we begin to work for justice, when we, um, you know, live differently in the world. So yeah. the con- the song kind of takes this turn about, you know, we're waiting for you, God. Maybe you're waiting for us, too. Interesting. Interesting. Waiting. Yeah. Others here? I think it's interesting in, like, the society we live in today where pretty much right after, well, sometimes even before Thanksgiving, we're celebrating Christmas, right? Like, you're, it's, it's in the stores, it's all over the place, and um, so I think I've always thought of this song as interesting because you're, we're really in that waiting period before Christmas, you know, before um, before you, you celebrate, and um, so I've, I've always thought of this song as interesting that way, too. Okay, all right, all right. The waiting part. All right. It's interesting. I mean, I'm curious how, because worship and music is such a central part, right, to churches and to the way Christianity is done now. Um, how do y'all navigate some of these things? And maybe y'all don't have to deal with it as much, depending on who invites y'all out. But how do y'all navigate some of these spaces when, you know, you're talking about some heavy stuff in the music and a lot of people tend to like, oh, let's, you know, run around and let's praise. And why are we singing these these are sorrowful songs. I don't want to wait. It's, it's now. Name and claim. <laughs> yeah. And that's that is a thing. That's the that's the culture that many of us, especially if you grew up with any kind of evangelical mm-hmm. background or I, I would say it's 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 common to American Christianity. And there's a value in that, right? We want to celebrate. We want to, we want to look toward the, the great um, jubilation that is in heaven. And, and even the part where parts of our, our history, like in the black church, the celebration was part of the survival. Like we had to focus on something better to get through the kinds of oppression that, that, um, that black Americans have, have faced historically. But also you know, as we hold that as true, we also have to realize that that one of the things that's been missing from the church is the real space to lament, hmm. um, the space to enter into the to the hardness and the sadness and to and the, just the longing for what's ahead. Um, I think there's ways that it's reflected. There's individual songs that we just kind of love in our in our cultures that 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 do hint at it. But uh, for the many, it's something that we've really committed to. It's something that we really want to 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 see reignited within churches. We feel like um, there's so much music that is great and celebratory and 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 fun, um, and that's good. But when you when something goes wrong. Yeah. When something happens, when yeah. when when things don't turn out the way that we hope for, a lot of times churches are searching and, and looking like, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to lead my community in this time. I don't know what words to say to make people feel good that aren't just platitudes and just axioms of, oh, well, you know, it all gets better. Like people have really been looking for when somebody j- dies in your church like something that's substantive something that that gives people a foundation that is that is deeply rooted in scripture um but that also reminds people of hope again in a way that doesn't feel like oh but jesus just covers it all we we want something that's that's tangible we want something yes. that's real um and so so in the way that we do our music 
uh, we really do take people on what we call a journey. Um, we take people through things like confession, something that, you know, we do less and less of that in church. Uh, we take people through through prayers and um, we, we use stories and poetry and sound, all these things to help people think. Because if you if you think about it, most of the time when you're in church and someone says, how are you doing? What's mm-hmm. the answer? fine yes absolutely <laughs> without thinking you could have yeah. just gotten a parking ticket on on you know when you when you came out that morning or you could have just had a fight with your spouse in the car and what's the answer every single time fine mm-hmm. but what what would what would the church look like if we stopped doing that what if the church looked a little bit more like a 12-step meeting when somebody asked how you're doing you gave a real and honest answer an answer that was informed by the, the highs and the lows of that week what if the churches that we had weren't places where people felt like that they had to perform happiness, but instead they could, sh- they could be real about what's going on? And so when churches invite us, most of the time they invite us because they know what we do. They okay. know the kind of stuff that we talk about. They know how, how heavy we can get, but they also know how hopeful people feel at the end of, of our gatherings. Yeah. Um, and so because of relationship, that helps a lot of times. Yeah. But then there's also great places like Twitter where people are like, hey, where can I find some progressive music? And, and every time somebody's like, the mini. <laughs> um, and so it's yes. awesome to have that kind of relationship with people. Um, but it, it does mean that and the, the last piece of that is that we don't have a one-size-fits-all kind of approach to what we do. Um, anytime that we're invited to do a liturgy or to do a gathering in a space, we're working with the people in that space to find out what, what they need, what yeah. things they're going through. Um, and it's usually something that responds to something that's, that's contemporary in that community. And the gatherings we do almost always incorporate people from the community to be a part of leading various parts of, of what of our of our experiences. And so just the fact that you're seeing someone from your community on a platform with us or in the center of a space with us, mm-hmm. all of a sudden it, it becomes not, oh that's that band from Chicago that I saw. But yeah. instead it's like, oh, this is what our church is doing. People kind of take ownership of it that way. Yeah. I think too, it's uh I would like to note I think it's important to note, um, to what Darren said about um, how in our culture, in the Christian culture here in America, the idea of praise and Mm -hmm. uh, celebration and God is good. What's interesting about what we're doing is it's countercultural. Okay, yeah. You know, um, what the church is experiencing right now with how it engages in worship is a um, microcosm of the macro that's going on in the world where people don't want to face the truth. They want to mm-hmm. be happy. They want a quick 240, you know, cool, snappy response. They, 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 they aren't being pushed. The muscle isn't being trained in how to engage in things that hurt long term Mm -hmm. and so what we're offering is kind of like a an exercise in how to do that in a way that people can embrace that draws them in and creates an intimate safe space Hmm. to work that muscle yes 
Well, I think that's I think that I like what you said there. I mean, inviting people into you know that safe space because I think going back to even what Darren was just talking about, I know I'll say fine when people ask me that because I don't know if it's safe or not to be like, man, mm-hmm. I just I went through you. some shit. I hear you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't. I don't. You know what I'm saying? Because then you think you can get the. Well, let me pray for you, yeah, brother. Yeah. And I'm like, man, I don't know you. I don't know when you praying for me. She'll stanky prayers. Right. Or because you're just not right with God, damn. Yeah. Right. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. There's some sin in my life. Our, our intention mm-hmm. is to not just let people know they're welcome, but that they have a voice in this space. Yes. No, I like that. I think that's that's deep. And I think that's good because, you know, everybody connects with music. There's not a human on the earth that doesn't connect with music at some level. Um, and particularly when you talk about spirituality and worship. So, I mean, that's that's powerful. How What does the inclusivity look like? I mean, obviously, there's a song on here, Come As You Are. Is that the, the, the one I know? Is that the set? Or is that a remake? Is that a different one? Number five. It's a brand new song, Dan. Oh, all right. That's what I'm talking about. Okay. That's yes. Very Beatles-esque. Oh, all right. Yes. I just found out the Beatles that there was a, it was an acronym like it was Beat B E A T and then it was, it was. I what? I was like what? what not an acronym but a play on words yeah. or something like that. Oh. I didn't the beat and because I, I was like wait a minute why are they called Beatles but they, no Beatles are in anyway. Liverpool they had the Mercy Beat you know? they, they, oh, yes. That whole beat thing. I just figured about. that out. Let's turn this into a Beatles podcast. There we go. <laughs> right. It was also, you know, the early 60s, the beat generation. Ah, see? Yeah. Even more yeah. to it yeah. there. Yeah. yeah, it pays to have lived some of that. Yeah, it does. It does. It Everyone, does. It hardly ever pays off, but occasionally, <laughs> occasionally it does. I came in on the tail end of that. Most so. of the time you're just tired. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> Oh and my! There we have inclusivity. <laughs> there we go. That's right. Some of us were alive when the Beatles sang on the Ed Sullivan Show for the first time. You know, Dan, uh, we brought some. Uh, uh, Darren sings lead on many of the songs. Yes. Leslie sings lead on many of the songs. Hannah sings lead on them. And you know, we brought. Uh, they were. We were talking about maybe they could talk about one of the songs that they please, sing on the album. Please, please. No, I saw the lyrics. That's why I'm. I'm yes. Let's let's do it. Break them down. It's y'all time. <laughs> sure. Um, so, you know, we, we, we opened up a little bit about inclusivity. And um, I think what we're trying to do is kind of open up the things that are in people's hearts. So one of the songs that, that, that came from this is Tear Down the Walls. Um, this is a song that I lead, and it started from just this, this simple phrase, tear down the walls. And we would just sing that, and that was, all, that was the whole thing. There wasn't a whole song. It was just kind of a, a refrain. And when we did this, it was shortly after the 2016 election and where people were feeling all kinds of... Uh, a range of, of emotions. Um, some people were feeling very dis, dis, um, discouraged because the election didn't turn out the way they wanted. And other people were feeling emboldened to build walls and emboldened to declare um, hate and xenophobia and, and to, to, to just be horrible toward other people. And so no matter how you felt about the election, there was this increasing division and this increasing, increasing tension um, between people of differing perspectives. And so we were uh, 
we were in North Carolina um, for an event and we were singing this song and it just had such resonance with me personally. And I was like, we have to make this a whole song. Like I, <laughs> hmm. I'm, it, it has to have more to it. Um, it's just so powerful. And so over time, um, uh, the team just uh, gathered and, and Lenora did, did the awesome thing that she does where she listens to us as we as we have conversations and meals together and she just goes into wherever her special place is and <laughs> writes amazing things down. I think she's in the Holy of Holies or something. Um, and so we, we, we come up with these with the with this song that that names the ways that we like our walls we like hmm. things that keep us in and keep others out that it makes us feel safe and comfortable and secure Ooh. but also it means that there's somebody who's left on the outside it means that we can forget people it means that we um that we separate ourselves from people and we forget about them and for me one of the things that i think a lot about is how even the worst among us are still important like mm. we put people in prisons Ooh. And so that Brother. we can forget about them and we want them to never ever come back gosh dogs and that says so much about us as much as it says something about what they've done or how they've been mm. and so the the way this song turns is that we've talked about these walls how we build them how we love them how 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 we feel about them and then we talked about how we need to tear them down and sometimes sometimes you think that's just the end of it it's like no why are we tearing these walls down and it and the song just says so i can see you mm. And so you can see me too. Good night. And so it's this idea that the walls exist and they make us lose something. We lose a bit of our humanity. We lose our ability to see each other, to, to experience each other's pains and joys. Um, we, and when we tear down those walls, it's this idea that we can be restored to relationship with each other. Wow. You know, when we think about what, what does Jesus do um, in, the, in the way that... that, that uh, Jesus' mission on earth is reconciliation, this idea that we can be restored in relationship with God and relationship with each other. Um, and so in the same vein, that we, that we need to, to tear down walls. We need to remove the divisions. We need to do things so that we can see and love each other, no matter who is on the other side, no matter what divides us. Like We have to see and love each other. So I think that is one of those things that just becomes a useful um, a useful way for us to to, to teach theology, to, to, mm. to think about um, what we believe, um, and to to take action in the world. Oof. <laughs> man, you had thoughts about that? Oh man, well I mean, when you say we put people in prisons, I'm not even necessarily thinking about the prisoners. I'm thinking about people I don't necessarily like in general. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to see them a lot of times. So that's convicting, right? I mean, that's, that's like. Ah, oh, Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. I, I think you're not alone in that, for sure. I mean, I think we all feel that. And I think uh, it's, I feel, it's it's just like, and we justify it, you know? Yes. Oh, well, they're so wrong. I, right. I, why would I want to spend time with right. them? They're so wrong. And so it ends up making us all, you know, full of our own rightness and very separate from each other. And yes. I mean, I... I am as guilty of that as anybody, and I, it's this song is like a song that every time I hear it, I it convicts me of my hmm. shit, basically. Yeah. Geesh. Yeah. Uh, so, 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, I I sing on this song called "Remember When." I sing the verses and uh, as the rest of us sing on it. And um, I remember when my mom, who writes the lyrics, Lenora, she gave me the words to it, and I started writing the tune. And I got to the chorus, and the chorus was like, "We want to know where you were. We want to know where you are." Sort of when when all these terrible things are happening in the world, where is God? And I looked at it and I was like, I'm not sure we're allowed to say that, you know, like I don't, um, I've never heard that in church and I've never, I I don't hear a lot of people saying that out loud, but I do hear it a lot of times in my head. You know, it's like, I, 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 you hear about all these, all these things that are happening in the world. We talk about, um, the Quan McDonald in the song and, um, you know, we talk about refugees and, and it's like, where is God in that? And it's something that I'm always thinking about when that happens, but I don't hear a lot of people saying it out loud. Um, so when I was writing this song, I was definitely like, I guess we're going for it. And I, <laughs> and, um, and I think that it's, it's something like if I'm, if I'm having those thoughts in my head, then maybe others are too, you know? Um, and I think just because nobody said it out loud before doesn't mean nobody should. Um, so we, we say it out loud in this song and it, I think it's important. And I think where, where one of the cool parts of the song too, is like you get to the end, um, and you're, you're asking God, you know, like show, show us where you are, show us where you are. But then there's sort of a turnaround where you, you say, where, um, where there's a question of like, maybe we should be, we should show up where God wants us to show up. So, um, like maybe we can be the love in the world. Maybe we can, um, be grace in the world, um, and respond in these situations with love and grace. And maybe that's where God is, um, in these situations. So I think it's a powerful song and I'm, um, I'm really grateful that I could write it and sing on it and Hmm. it could be on the record. So that I sing is called Let Justice Reign and I I uh, love the continuity of the songs on the album and how they in, speak to one another and influence each other um, and support the idea that um, injustice and, and fear go hand in hand but love and hope is the answer 
that we're really encouraging people to embrace. And so this song is called, um, like I said, Let Justice Reign. And uh, the opening line is, uh, the world's on fire tonight. And, you know, right now in Chicago, fires are ravaging through communities. Mm. And injustice is ravaging through our lives, our communities, and our world. And this song talks about what would it look like if justice reigned instead hmm. of injustice? Okay. Um, a very clear idea. Either justice reigns or injustice reigns. What? Where? Where do we stand on that? On that? In that? In that arena? Are we allies to our brothers and sisters who are being persecuted and um, suffering? Are we? not allies to our brothers and sisters who are being persecuted and suffering. And um, one of the other lines in the song is, how do we change the ending of this story? Uh, What can we do to make it out? And so um, at the end of the song, there's this beautiful bridge that basically says, as we're talking about injustices, as we're talking about lives that um, uh, are being taken, and situations that are consistently affecting people, the refrain is not one more, enough is enough. And that's the, that's the cry. Like, at what point yes. do we take a stand? Either we let justice reign mm-hmm. or we let injustice reign. Not one more, enough is enough. And um, yeah, that... Again, I, I really love the way that the songs speak to one another. If we're engaging in justice reigning, then we're remembering when and we're tearing down walls. The world's on fire tonight. The streets are crying tonight. One more bullet found its way. One more life gone today. usefulness of a song like that um, when it comes to churches and individuals who who are watching the news and who get discouraged and feel like how do I even pray mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know we've talked about how these songs say God where are you right now mm-hmm. and how most of us have been churched to feel like that's somehow a betrayal of our faith or it's somehow showing that we don't believe enough but when we look at the scriptures, when we look at, at, at the Psalms and we see these kinds of questions, we do see these kinds of, of doubts and worries and concerns. Um, but then they, the Psalms also have that turn where it's just like, God, let your justice reign. Let your truth be seen. Let your righteousness be displayed in the earth. And for again, for us to just reconnect with that, for us to not look at the news and think, oh, this is a godless world. 
but to look at the news and be like, I'm going to be God's light in this world. I'm going to show up at a rally or I'm going to write to a congressperson or I'm going to have a conversation with the police commander. I'm going to do something because I want to be a part of God's justice reigning in the earth. Hmm. Um, and for us to be able to, to have songs that go with that and to name that and to, to say it. Um, you know, I, I, I spend I spend a fair amount of time at, at protests and rallies um, in Chicago um, around uh, um, police brutality. And I had many years ago a, a really rich history with doing grassroots community organizing on the south side of Chicago. And in those spaces, we, we did sing these songs um, from church. We did sing songs um, that were calling for God's glory. But they, you know, they are often very general songs unless somebody rewrote them. Hmm. Um, if you if you go further back to the civil rights movement, um, "We Shall Overcome" was a church song. That was a song that that people rewrote and repurposed um, to to give a, a soundtrack, if you will, to the movement. And it was a part of how people could find their way. Like, not everybody's going to be on the platform. Not everybody's going to pick up a bullhorn. But almost everybody can sing a chorus to a song or sing a bridge to a song. And so that that was one of the rallying cries. And so in 2019 and going into 2020 and beyond, um, I just feel like this is so important for us to, to continue that same legacy, to carry that same banner of how do we lift our voices together? How, do we, how are we heard hmm. together? Um, and so these these words, these simple declarations, let justice reign, um, not one more, enough is enough, say their names. You know, the, the, the sounds that, that are, have become hallmarks to the movement are part of our acts of worship, mm. are part of the way that we cry out to God. And I think God responds to that. I think that, that we respond to that. Um, but it's again, it's we say it all the time. It's just honest. It's true. It's real. Um, and that's oh, that's needed right now. Yes, so much. So that's deep. I mean, when you think about the amount of of thought and care that goes into, you know, the production and whatnot, other others with the lyrics, I don't want I want to make sure we get it. I see Leslie <laughs> writing down. All that. I want to make sure we get to those notes <laughs> and whatnot. Um. Well, let me ask y'all this. Let me, uh, how does inclusivity, you know, what does that look like then? Um, I know y'all have been, one of my frustrations is that, you know, people's inclusivity, especially in the church, stops at race, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, we'll talk about race, we'll talk about white supremacy, but then it's just like, you get to the matter of gender and sexuality, and it's like, mm. 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 Right, not too right, not today. And you know, and people will run out and say, Kanye's a Christian, but you know, then they can't love their their gay brother or sister and whatnot. Mm -hmm. They're gonna go to hell. And so I'm still trying to reconcile a lot of that crap as well. So how do y'all how does that come up? How does that engage? How do y'all deal with that? I'd be curious. Because I've seen y'all in venues, but I'm just I'm talking to the listeners who are like, who's the mini? I don't understand. What's happening? Uh, I mean, I think we we talk about ourselves as being intentionally diverse. I think that one of the things that we want to be is not all the same. That's one of our values as a band, and I think that that's you know we we embody that. I would say, and uh, so lunch uh, when we get together once a week for lunch, it's always very interesting <laughs> because we all come from very different places, different. Uh, backgrounds, uh, different sort of, um, you know, our sexuality, we don't express in the same way, our age is different, we're across a wide range of ages, um, and our 
you know, the skin color that we have is not all the same. And, mm-hmm. You know, so all those things are actually really, really important to us. Um, and I think, I mean, deeper, deeply a part of who we are and what we're trying to embody in the world that uh, we can tear down walls and we can learn from each other and we grow in relationship with each other and it's really, really important. So I think it kind of starts right there. Um, And then I think uh, going into um, worship spaces of different kinds, I think we try to, again, sort of create a safe space for everyone. And uh, we are working on this. I mean, sometimes... Uh, we've gotten called out for, you know, I wouldn't say it that way. And I listen to that because I think we, we're we learning. Uh, we're not perfect, but I think that we're always sort of trying to find ways to use language, not only in our songs, but in sort of our liturgies that we create that really do include people and help them feel like they belong and not come from this place of, oh, everyone's welcome here, which frankly a lot of times is just like... <laughs> bullshit and yes (laughs) it must be said i mean i think it's to me welcome is often when you hear it from churches is like this is my house and this is my table and you can come in and i make all the rules here and i think that um for us uh, it has to be about belonging and inclusiveness versus just welcome it has to be who's who's at the table who's setting the table. God is actually setting the table, by the mm-hmm. way, not us. And we're all just lucky to be here. We're all just graced to be here. And let's start from that place and start from that place that we all belong here. And, we, and so, I mean, I think that informs theologically everything that we do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it informs how we show up in spaces and what we try to communicate in those spaces as well. Yeah. And then, go ahead. Um, thank you. <laughs> Um, one of the things, so we talked earlier about how we all bring our histories with us in this band to the table, and I grew up with an omnipotent God, and I remember as a child, that was, um, deeply unsettling to me. Uh, I've been labeled sensitive, but I think that I... I believe firmly I'm not alone and how uncomfortable um, you can become in how God is labeled and presented to you. And so we have so many people who are wrestling with who God has been named to be for them. Okay. And... um, what I think we offer people is, um, I wrote it down. You said I was taking notes. I was. I love it. I love it. Come on. Um, we're so inundated and hear me out on this. We're so inundated with God is great. God's glory will reign. Um, praise God because he's, you know, we have to be in the holies of holies and all of this language about God's greatness. Right. But I believe that we do what we do well is we offer space and validation for people to remember and value who they are in the, mm-hmm. in the element, right? The equation is both God and us. Okay. Right? Yeah. Working to do great things in the world. Yeah. And if we're not recognizing that we matter in that equation mm. and that 
not only ourselves, but our neighbor, the person standing next to us, is intricately valuable to God's plan. And it's not just about God's greatness, but it's about us valuing, loving, remembering, honoring, seeing the sacredness in ourselves and others. Mm-hmm. Then it's a it's a, a an imbalance. Yeah. It's an imbalance. Mm-hmm. And so what we're striving to do is help people remember that they are so valuable to this process, to this beautiful harmony, this equation of, of building God's kin- kingdom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, you're, you're, you're an, an educator. So we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll pull out some of the $5 so, so, words. Some, some would say yes. <laughs> yes. All right. Depends on who you ask. Yes. But, um, so there's some, there's some key words that, that usually stand out when we talk about inclusivity mm-hmm. um, that for some people, you know, I just want to acknowledge that for some people it's like, oh, those are all those big words and I don't know what they mean. And that's okay because, you know, we're educators. So we, we share, we teach. Mm. And then for others, they're like, well, are they doing this? Are they doing that? And they want to kind of check off the boxes to make sure we're being being progressive and inclusive um so to that to those who are listening on either end of that you know i just offer a few things um <laughs> come on talk about gender um gender is the idea of the maleness the femaleness the bothness or the none of the aboveness of people and their expression and um how we talk about god and a lot of um, christian music has often made god very male and use very yes. masculine expressions of yes. god however you define masculinity um and so our music doesn't wade deep into that our music uh Hmm. tends to present god in a in a gender neutral way and that's by intention um we 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 do all bring our own idea ideas and values about who god is and how god is expressed um but we leave a lot of room for people to, to add their own to that story rather than us prescribing it through our lyrics or the way that we pray or the or the pronouns that we use for God. Um, another example of, of how we do inclusivity um, is the way that we, and this is, you know, I'm, I'm being transparent, like Christian music is often very ableist mm-hmm. and ableism is the idea that it centers people who are non-disabled. Um, it, it uses a lot of words about standing or running or blindness being healed or so forth. And it leans into these ideas as a way to, to encourage everyone. But the reality is that those aren't necessarily encouraging um, pictures for everyone. Um, or they exclude some people who maybe don't have those same abilities. Um, and by that, by that means, we disable, we we. We take people out of the running, if you will, um, to use the to use a pun, um, by the way that we talk about God and the way we invite people to worship. And so it's been a, an, an ongoing process for us to figure out when we're in a space, how do we in, make everyone included? And so one of those values sometimes means that we we do what we can to push for a gluten free communion option. Wow. Yeah. You know, because yeah. um, for whatever reason, whatever you attribute it to. Um, are, are, there's a lot of people who, who just cannot participate in a communion that includes gluten. Yeah. And we go, yeah. oh, you can just have this thing over there. And 
we, we stick you in the corner. Right. We stick you in the corner. We, we, we put you on, on in, in that other set. And while practically there's some reasons for that, what if we pushed instead to have a, in, uh, the whole communion loaf be gluten-free? What if we made sure that everyone could, could actually partake of the same loaf? You know, what if we really went, left the 99 and went after the one um, to make sure that the one could be a part of, of, of everything? Um, or just the way we invite people into things, um, saying, you know, stand if you're able or um, assume whatever your posture of worship is so that people don't feel like they have to all do the same thing. Yes being adaptive in how we talk about um, wave your hands or you know just creating some more options for people Um, and then the last thing is just uh, the way that we are creating music is an opportunity for people to feel like again we we say it over and over and over again for people to feel like they belong one of the 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 biggest um, or most well received or or at least we can literally say the most played on Spotify <laughs> songs that we have from our previous album is called All Belong Here. Mm-hmm. And it was this invitation that that reminded people that everyone belongs at the communion table. And where it hits so much resonance for people is that um wherever they felt excluded, whether that's because of their sexual orientation, whether that's because of their gender and, and how, you know, we just had uh, John MacArthur talking about, you know, telling women to leave the church and leave the pulpit. <laughs> Got right, go home. That was the, the phrase. Um, oh, all, the, all the ways that people have been excluded from the table and excluded from God's calling, we very literally invite people back together. Um, and the songs that we write... Um, are, are pretty pretty upfront about inviting everyone and for everyone to belong. Um, and so that resonates with people and, and they run with it. And so if they are in spaces where people have been burned by church, they tend to like our music. If they are in spaces where they've been told that because they're a woman or because they're gay, that they can't be a part and they can't lead the church, not just show up and sit in a pew and pay a tithe, but lead the church. <laughs> that was a commentary. Um, well, I take it. I'll take all of it. Yeah, exactly. When, when people have been excluded from, from the family of God in those ways. We tell them they belong. Um, my own story of being um, spiritually abused in church about my own sexuality um, that 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 comes to bear in some of the lines we say when when uh, and I probably should lean on Lenora to quote it right now um, Which one are you um, I'm, I'm back to the to the to the first album but um, uh, when it uh, ah, I'm, I'm, I get a little emotional about it because mm-hmm. they're very subtle ways that we talk about people saying I can't pray or lines that, that talk about how um, how people don't know who they really are because we're in a society that, that tells people who they're supposed to be rather than discovering who God has made them I'm just going to jump in with a line that Hannah mentioned from a song, Remember When. There, One of the ways we talk about it is, uh, what's the line in there about remember, about the unloved, what's the, I, maybe I'm just making this up. Uh, <laughs> it's a new song, coming, coming live. That's right, that's right. Uh, remember when we saw the unloved daughter-son abandoned and undone. And I think, you know, that I'm going to get emotional too but I just think there's a lot of a 
abandoned and undone children out there who mm-hmm. have felt abandoned by family and by the church and because of their sexuality, because of their gender expression, mm-hmm. because of all kinds of things. But I just think that that's one of the ways in which I, as a mother, I have to say, it breaks my heart and it breaks my heart and I wonder where God is when people like Darren are are going through the kind of experiences they've had to go through from good Christian people in the church, you know? And uh, so anyway, we do try to address those kinds of things as well. Wow. Ooh, dog is is deep like a tear of wheat. Um, Well, I'm glad you broke all that down, and I and I definitely appreciated just you know your use of of language because you're right. I mean, God is very masculine, and in in most Christian settings, and so I think that is off putting for a lot of folks. And I'm I'm glad that this this exists in music. Uh, I'm not sure if y'all are familiar with Obery Hendrix. Uh, He used to be Obama's like one of the advisors that he used to have and whatnot. And so he wrote a book called The Universe Bends Towards um, Justice. And he has a sharp critique of black gospel music in the first three chapters. And what he really is talking about is, is there is a leaving, particularly within black gospel music, of that what you're really talking about here, this this ingrainment of what does justice look like? What does inclusivity look like? What does true lament look like when we're actually going through lament he's saying that you know people have left their soul for for album sales right you know to praise and we're always praising me so he again if you're i'll put this in the show notes but if you haven't read the book it's 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 an amazing and and it's it's a a fair critique it isn't just op-ed i'm gonna go in he's a genuine religious scholar and and whatnot and so um it's i love that y'all are presenting this and, and looking at that from different different angles because Again, so much goes into how we worship. And again, the lost folks, the folks who um, feel that way. And in talking about worship, I I love to worship, but I, li- I don't like being told, oh, stand up now and, you know, touch your neighbor and, and, and tell them four lies. You know, I'm just like, God damn it. I just want to let me just let me just do what I got to do. Sometimes my knees hurt and I don't want to stand up. You know, I just and I want to not not worshiping just because you can't stand right. up. Right. That's now. what I'm saying. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, so it's like we feel like we're getting judged by how we come to this experience. Right. You know, like if you're not a person who likes to raise their hands or who feels uncomfortable doing that or what, whatever, you're just suddenly like, oh, you're a bad Christian. <laughs> right. Right. Or some of my, you know, when I was in grad school, some of my, uh, well, I won't say what country they were from, but they were in Africa. They <laughs> 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 were from Africa. And they were like, if you don't stand and raise your hands, there's sin in your life. There's something going on. That's the devil holding you down. Oh, the devil. <laughs> See, you know, it's, it's kind of this hotep theology that, that, that has manifested itself within, you know, black religion. And that gets into Kanye and all that crap. But we won't go there right now. That seems... <laughs> we can, though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. But do we want to? <laughs> That's the question. That's a good question. Um, This is this is powerful. Um, Wow. I did. Uh, I don't know if I should bring this up, but I did. Bring, think, bring I, it. I did think that um, I was looking at the. I think it was the most recent Dove Awards. Um, Kirk Franklin has. Mm-hmm. Yes. You see this thing about Kirk Franklin? Yeah. It's talk like, about it. Well, I mean, from what I understand, he um, basically he was trying to talk about the 
people who were <laughs> black people who were being shot by police. This was he, this was like 2016. He first did it in the Dove Awards when he, in his speech and his acceptance speech. He talked about this, and it was not broadcast. They cut that part of his live speech out. And as I understand it, like in the room, people were very in it and very appreciative of it and it was a wonderful moment where people came together in a time of actual worship there and but they cut that completely out of the broadcast and then this happened again in 2019 just recently and you know he's basically said i i can't do this anymore i can't go on the dove awards anymore if they're going to do this and i i guess it just brought up for me again how it's um we're just so scared I mean, the people that hold the money and the power mm-hmm. and uh, are very scared of people talking about the truth and, and bringing it into worship and bringing it into light. And and I just it just makes me it makes me really sad, but it also helps me feel like we're doing what we need to be doing here. You know, I mean, I feel like um, it's just important that we offer the space for people to say the things that are going on and to to weep about them and also to find hope in the midst of them. Um, I just think that it really matters and it's really needed. And it's not always happening in the people, uh, you know, in the big spaces. It's not always happening there. Yeah. Well, I think it takes somebody like a Kirk Franklin to, you know, to stand up and, right? And to say, I'm not, you know. I'm so glad he did. I know, exactly. So incredible. And um, he has, you know, he has a lot to lose. You know, he does. He has mm-hmm. a lot to lose, and yes, I was just so incredibly amazed by what he did, and you know, encouraged by what he did. Like yes. I think it was brave and it was powerful. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it was. I was. I was following it loosely on social media, and I remember seeing uh, a friend of mine did a screenshot. Ron Cannoli um, responded to oh. Kirk Franklin's Instagram mm-hmm. and says, uh, says, I should have been doing this 20 years ago, and I'm sorry. So for people who, not from, who aren't familiar, Ron Cannoli was one of the, like, the, the, the leaders, again, 20, 30 years ago, the leaders in, in what was contemporary gospel and, and crossover music of the time um, he did the song anointing fall on me and and uh, um, the ancient of days and you know just some really big hits and it's so interesting because so many people say oh well all this just started or Obama stirred up a, a racism in the United States and it's just <laughs> like no <laughs> if you ask anybody who was on the receiving end <laughs> right. there's an unbroken chain and there's also the part where we have been complicit in being silent and when we have gone along to get along because mm. I mean, you know it's it's hard and it's a lot it's a lot of work and, and people don't believe you and people don't listen um but but what happens when we are willing to be the first one to speak up or what happens when we're willing to be the squeaky wheel that hopefully gets some oil moving um you know, so whether it's being Kurt Franklin and, you know, people are critical. They're like, well, he should have said something sooner and, and he should have done something before. And now this is just to serve him. We do have to have our own interests in mind. We it does. We it, we typically don't do things until it affects us. Um, so it's true. So that's let, let's just let's just own that as what it is and say yes. And we still need to work on this problem and we still need to see 
how we speak up. Kirk Franklin's is in, in is in his space speaking up, but what will we do in the spaces where we are in our churches, in the board meetings that we're in, in the in the yes. event planning for for your for yes. your uh, social group? Yes. What will you do to speak up in the space that you're in? Yes. And so that's again that's that's what that's what we're hoping to see a revival of if you will we want to see more of that we want to we want to we we want to see god show up in us in all these places places that i mean and yes just uh you know i know everybody got to go and do their things but man i will i will say that that for me when i think about activism and I think about change, that's where it begins in those rooms when policy is being made, mission statements, who's going to be hired, how are we going to hire this person and what are they going to come into? I mean, all of those are decisions that, you know, particularly those of you who are listening are in places of power that you can begin to implement change, you know, uh, white cis males who, you know, who want to be allies. It's like, how do you utilize that power? How do you wield the power of people wanting to listen to you, right? Uh, at, at a time when you need to use it, right? Not to not to shut down other POCs or, or, or WOCs, you know, because, oh, I don't agree with that or whatever. Or maybe have you looked at it, you know, this way. So I think those are the important things. That's where the rubber meets the road. Because I would be honest, I mean, I mean, I've done the marches and everything. It's like, those are great, but almost those have become easy things to do. Take little selfies, put them on Instagram. They look good. Oh, I did something great today. <laughs> and then, like you said, and if it doesn't affect us, NIMBY, right? Not in my backyard. If I don't see it, mm-hmm. why should I care about it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, even if it's my neighbor, it's like, well, that's, they got to deal with that. I mean, they don't mean, is it on my property? No. Right. Okay. So anyways, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Just, it just, you know, the, the, the lyrics from Hamilton to be in the room where it happens, you know, what room are you in? Um, yeah. It's, it's it's that simple. It's that moment of when that joke gets told, or when that when that uh, news item comes up and people are talking about it. When you just say, "Oh, I stay out of politics. I don't talk about politics." <laughs> but you know, there, there was a there was a recent news item about um, a child uh, who is trans, and conservative media turned this. It was really a messy family divorce battle okay you know, divorce battles get just ugly really fast and so conservative media jumped on it as an opportunity to attack both the trans community and to quote unquote fight for this father's rights who denied that his son or that his child is trans um and progressive communities are just like see this is this is what happens to us all the time and in the midst of that, there are people who are just parents who are concerned and they may have differing values or ideas about trans and gender identity. Um, and they may feel different things about what age or so forth. But no matter what you feel, it's an opportunity to learn, to listen to. Again, you're in the room where it happens. You can either just nod your head along and be like, oh, yeah, that's just the, the, the end of the world. 
or you could talk to a trans person. You could look up the people who are who are trans and Christian and find out why do they believe what they believe? Why do they understand their gender the way that they do? There's some great people like my friend Austin Hartke who who shares this stuff in profound ways with theological degrees. Um, but until we're willing to to be the ones to speak up and to to ask the questions, um, that's I think that's where change happens. So. Wherever, whatever room you're in, whatever conversations are going on, um, what will your role be? Is that question. Mm. Woo. <laughs> and on that note, oh, yeah. um, where can uh, where what, what were you going to say something more? I, I guess the only other thing I was going to add was, um, I think one of the ways people change and get the courage to be in the rooms asking the questions. Um, I actually still believe that people can sing their way to better theology and better beliefs. I think, you know, I think that's another reason why we do what we do is because you know those songs that you're singing in your head all day. Um, what are the words of those songs saying? And sometimes I think we have like really awful songs that we wish we didn't have on our heads. And I think in a way we're trying to give people new things to have in their heads that do give them the courage to speak up and to speak the truth and to be loving in a situation in which they wouldn't normally be loving or kind um, and to listen more. And I think to me that's so much of like what forms us the mm-hmm. music forms us yeah. and not only in worship but just in our what do we listen to on the radio and you know as, again as a mom you know I, I was always listening to what my kids were listening to and having to think about it and you know like oh you know let's have a conversation about it <laughs> and but I do think it matters and I do think we get more of I think we change a lot of times from the inside out more yeah. than we change from our heads. I think we change from our hearts, and I, I think music is a way of changing our hearts. Amen. Amen to that. Um, where can folks find y'all? Where can we go and get this album at? What? Uh, where? Where can we support the mini? The album comes out on November fifteenth. Okay. Mark your calendars. That's November right. Fifteenth. It comes out everywhere. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Everywhere, all the all the places. All the places. It, all the places it'll be. Amazon, okay. Apple, Spotify, everywhere it'll be. Okay. And, um, and then you know we have websites. You'll probably have those in the show notes. Yes, absolutely. Uh, we come in two two forms. We have the manyarehere.com, which okay. is a site all about the band. And then we have a site called PluralGuild.com, which yes. is, uh, has a lot of worship resources on all of these subjects, liturgies, prayers, blogs, discussions, and it has kind of more um, insight into all of the music. There's a page on all of our songs there in PluralGuild. Let me ask this then. So, the, so you're literally talking about folks can go and, and grab some of this and actually play this music in their churches? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We, we've got sheet music and we've Look got chord charts. And, and again, we've got liturgies that... Our songs are written as part of liturgies, so all of these songs can work into how you do your Sunday morning service. So yeah, if you're looking for, like if you're a person who helps plan worship at churches, you can go and look in our Advent resources or Christmas resources or Lent resources. Okay. We have all those things and kind of shows you both some words you could say and things you could do, but also songs that you could sing as a part of that. Wow. Been, we've been so grateful. So many people are playing these songs all around. We get videos all the time, people sharing with us, uh, you know, yeah. their their performance of one of our songs. We've, uh, 
you know, All Belong Here has been, you know, one of my favorite stories about All Belong Here is that it was, we had an email in the morning from a, a church in Paris, Tennessee, saying that they were singing All Belong Here that morning in church. And by the evening, we had an email from Paris, France, saying a church there had been playing All Belong Here. <laughs> wow. So, you know, it's... Wow, like, wow, it's, wow. We've been really grateful for folks finding this meaningful in their own worship. That's what's up. I love it. I love it. I love it. Why? Yes, I'll put all that in, in the show notes. And do y'all, y'all each personally have your own websites as well? So folks will be like, you know, bring y'all out and <laughs> individually or, you know, the band. I don't want to split yeah. up the band or anything, yeah. but, you know, it's like... I, I a, we show up, we speak. Gary, uh, Gary does some excellent workshops and, and presenta- presentations. I speak. Uh, I'm Darren. I speak about racial justice and LGBT inclusion in churches, um, and I'll let other people share if they so. Yeah, I mean, I, I write um, a bunch of stuff for the many, but I also write my own music for my Hannah Rand band stuff. So you can find All that right. at hannahrandmusic.com. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Which we got it. Yeah, we have a lot of stuff. We have a lot of stuff we do. I'm but sure Google will be your friend. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Or Bing. Yes. <laughs> or you can come to White Hodge Podcast and there will all be links yes, there. Nice better. there. The and you can go and check it out and buy the album. The album is Love is Greater Than Fear. That's right. Dropping on November 15th mm-hmm. in the year of our Lord, 2019. <laughs> I don't know when the podcast is coming up, but prior to that, yes. you can go to our Many Are Here website. Mm-hmm. There's a place there you can pre-save what? the uh, album on Spotify. Goodness. And you can pre order it. Technology. It, it really helps us if you pre-save it on Spotify. Yeah. Because Spotify's algorithm... See? Break it down. Spotify is very hard to get on playlists. Yeah. Yes. And, uh, so, you know, they don't share the music with too many people. You just have to beat the bushes to share it yourself. Yes. On the other hand, if a lot of people pre-save this album, Spotify gets to notice it. And they will put us on some playlists, which will spread the word. Mm, there spread you the go. Around. So See, it helps. So, if you have the opportunity to pre-save and go to the go to the many are here, pre-save yes. it on Spotify. It'll help. Selling music in the twenty first century, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not to mention on November fifteenth. Yes. The music will be there in your Spotify. That's, you don't even have to do anything. Look at that. See, yeah. show up. I think we're going to be doing a live feed with you, Dan, on oh. November 15th. Uh, yeah, that's right. We are. There we go. So we are. We're doing a Facebook Something Live. That's to right. To celebrate the new record. So, uh, All right. We got that to looking forward. That's going to be a party. I love it. I'm, I'm ready. Because we're I'm not ready. always this serious. <laughs> <laughs> we have fun. We like to party. <laughs> I hear that. I hear that. Well, thank y'all so much for making time and coming into the kitchen. The pets behaved themselves today. Right. Oh, yeah. They were very good. Very Yeah. They, they hung in there. So thank y'all so much. Thanks for having us. Thanks for All having right. us. The world cries out. No justice inside. Fire.